one of my favorite co-hosts, Taylor Story. Taylor, how are you? Hey, that's me. I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Getting getting excited. We're under a month to regular season football. We've got preseason going on, camp, all the fights between teams happening today. Right. I know Panthers and Patriots got into some stuff. Yep. Uh, but definitely more more news to talk about. So let's go ahead and dive in. So starting off on news, uh, I think, you know, the biggest thing of season game on a run uh people were really concerned you know could be acl turned out to be you know meniscus tear and then some soft ligament damage but no other tears sounds like two to four weeks underwent surgery today i think you and chris both know i've been kind of a little bit excited for zach wilson given what he did last year but the fact that they're giving him weapons in this offense uh so what's the take here on zach wilson you know whether it's a dynasty but especially kind of the redraft and best ball stuff uh after this injury yeah just right off the bat dynasty and i don't think it changes anything just because of this um taking where you were taking him before doesn't doesn't move the needle for me um i mean when it when it happened when everybody saw it it was oh Jet, he's done. Jet season's over. His season's over. It was. It looked terrible. So thankfully, it wasn't too bad. But if I'm taking him in redraft, um, I already probably wasn't at all. Really, no matter where he fell. I mean, obviously, unless it's absolute steal. But in redraft this season, it definitely knocked down a little bit. I mean, he's going to get to play no preseason. Um, is he even going to be ready for week one? Uh, I hope so, but. I, I still don't want him. I mean, it knocks him down several spots for me this year uh, because now he's going to have to get back in football shape again after really probably not playing for maybe like th- two, three weeks of just no of nothing probably after the surgery. Um, so yeah, he, he takes a pretty big hit for me this season, sadly. Yeah, as much as I hate to say it, you know, that probably drops him, at least for the best ball stuff, down behind Guys like Tua, Matt Ryan, probably even Jameis and Baker. Um, and then yeah. I'd probably, if he misses one game, I may still be able to leave him around the Ryan Tannehill, Jared Goff, still in my, that's the back end of QB2 for me, but still ahead of, say, a Mitch Trubisky, a Daniel Jones, uh, a Carson Wentz, a Davis Mills. I mean, honestly, like, as that I don't know if they're going to be starting all the games this year for their teams is yeah. about where he would fall, which makes sense if Joe Flacco is going to have to start week one, maybe week two for him. Yeah, he's he's deep down there now for me, ahead of all the Daniel Jones and the uncertain quarterbacks, but down there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so other injury news and kind of breaking today. So Kenneth Walker, according to Pete Carroll, has a hernia situation going on was the way it was described by Pete. So kind of interesting there to hear. And, you know, again, I think we've talked about, I don't really want any part of this offense, but if there is something going on with the hernia, any interest in Rashad Penny with this going on? Uh, not really, not where I've got to take them. It still just remains another, gives me another reason to not take anybody from the Seahawks, um, except for maybe DK Metcalf, who I still kind of like. Um, yeah, j- just another reason to not touch anybody on the Seahawks for me, really. Again, sad that he's hurt, but uh, I don't want to touch the backfield. Yeah, how do you see that affecting Dynasty as far as like drafts going on, let's say between now and uh start of the season whether it's startup or especially those rookie drafts that people are looking at does this affect walker in any way in those drafts is he dropping any 
I think it will affect it if because really he's being taken. Mo- Sometimes he'll go two if the but that's really if the team needs a running back. But really, he's like three to six range from what I'm seeing. I think he will where he will lose ADP is teams that need a uh, that need a play. Like say a team needs a flex option badly to to try and compete. They're going to take London Wilson Olave now over Walker. Um, unless they just have no, no, nobody at running back, they'll take Walker still. But that's just that will be the only case now in those top five picks to where a team will be taking Walker if they absolutely need one. So I think we're going to see a lot of trade backs now for people that actually want Walker. At least that would be the smart thing to do, and that's what I would do. But I think his ADP probably will drop a, a total of maybe one spot after this news leading up to the season. Yeah, gotcha. And I, I don't have any Kenneth Walker. It just wasn't something I was interested in. I'd rather wait for running backs later in the draft that yeah. you know, may may even have the same upside that he has and are in better offenses. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, speaking of running backs, I know we kind of talked about Nick Chubb earlier today. Uh, so we've got a couple of centers for the Browns going down in a matter of 24 hours. So Dawson Deaton, uh, who was a seventh round draft pick and then Nick Harris who was the backup and stepping in uh, both out for the year it seems like with ACL injuries uh, how does this affect things I mean it's like every time we turn around there's a new question mark around the Cleveland Browns right whether it's the Deshaun Watson stuff now we've got centers Kareem Hunt what do we think here do we think this actually affects Nick Chubb's value and productivity this year uh, and if so what are we what are we doing with Nick Chubb and the rest of the pieces in this offense anytime you hear lineman news unless it's just devastating news it doesn't affect an, a running back's value to the community too much but for me I always keep an eye on it like this could very easily affect his productivity especially and I'm looking at this case because they were going to have to rely on it so much at the start of the season if Watson still was only out six games. So they were really going to have to rely on that run game. And obviously their center was a big part of it. And the center runs the offensive line. So now in three weeks, they've got to get a guy in there that, and not even, I mean, they probably have to bring one in at this point, right? Uh, It would be the same as if whoever the third center is, um, it, it's just too much for me, and I really wasn't drafting Nick Chubb before, and, and this might be the thing that tips me over the edge to just say, I don't really want to touch Nick Chubb and redraft, uh, really not in Dynasty. So unless, you know, obviously unless he falls to good value, but I, I, I'm not going to go seek Nick Chubb, especially after this news. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I I definitely think they've got to go get somebody like you've got to get a veteran maybe that's played in a similar system that you can bring in that has some familiarity with terminology and the playbook, things like that. And then, you know, especially in half PPR and full PPR. I mean, these are guys. This is a guy I had back end or front end RB2 uh, at around 13 or 14. I know. Chris was a little bit higher than him, had him at, you know, back in RB1. But I got to start looking at, you know, does Travis Etienne keep climbing even higher above Nick Chubb? You know how I feel about Cam Akers, who I've got a little bit lower. It'll be interesting to see, especially in those half PPR and PPR leagues where he where he ends up going now. Um, 
Speaking of just hype and people moving up draft boards, you know, we, we see this every single year for better or worse, right, of guys that are climbing up because of preseason camp stuff. So this year, a lot of noise. Let's talk wide receivers first. So seems to always revolve around rookies. Uh, so we got George Pickens in Pittsburgh and then Romeo Dubs in Green Bay. You're the Green Bay uh, guy here. So let's go with Dubs first and then we'll kind of dive into Pickens a little bit. Uh, what's all the hype about? Is it warranted? And is what we're seeing in preseason something that can be sustained into the season and affect fantasy football? Well, yeah, I mean, anytime uh, uh, any decent rookie player makes a play or catches a touchdown or what have you in the preseason game, it's immediately like, oh, I knew it. Like, this guy's going to be good. Like, you get all the all the truthers talking a little bit louder. So that pushes him up and gets more people on board. And it just builds and builds the hype. Like you see Romeo Dobbs gets catch a touchdown and it's like, Oh, that's Aaron Rodgers' guy. Like confirmed. Let's go like sleeper. Like I was drafting him in the fourth round. I got him in the fifth round and I've had two rookie drafts since then and a startup draft. And he went in the second round as well as Pickens going mid first round. Now um, it's just, it's always out of control. Like obviously if they have a good showing in the preseason, you know, you, you take a little more liking to him. You might move him up ahead of a player that didn't do anything, but you really keep him right around that same spot. Like I I'm seeing, I'm seeing posts on social media and in fantasy groups like, Ooh, should I take Drake London or George Pickens now at one Oh two or one Oh three? And I'm like, what are we doing? Like everybody just calm down. Like George Pickens is now, everyone's number one sleeper for redrafts leagues I'm seeing. It's just like we knew they were going to be good. And of course he made a play like let's settle down. Like you mentioned before the show, like Marquez Callaway was a guy who was on the picking side of things and was just looked so good in preseason and everyone was all over him. I mean, I was seeing, I saw him get traded for a first round pick last year for 2022 first round pick. And that probably turned into a guy like, you know, Alave or Wilson and now Callaway is just nothing. So uh, it, it's just everybody just calm down, just calm down. OK. Yeah, it's uh, you know, you mentioned Marquez Callaway. You can go the opposite direction, right, of Jamar Chase last preseason and his first preseason game over three, three drops. And I mean, there were people actually concerned about Jamar Chase, even though right. everything from college and his testing was this dude was going to be a stud. I didn't anticipate what he actually turned yeah. out to be in year one, but there was no reason to drop him down. No. And I think my biggest concern you brought up Pickens talking about dubs is, you know, what's the volume that both of these guys are going to get? So because statistically, the Packers do play slower than most teams in the NFL, and it doesn't have anything to do with the talent they've had there with Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, obviously Aaron Rodgers, a quarterback. That's just the style of play that they run. Um, and I think part of it may factor in with where they play as well in the fall and the winter. It gets cold. Yeah, they're going to run the ball a little bit more clock runs. But I also think Aaron Rodgers likes to control the games as well. And with Pickens, you're talking about he's on a – team with, again, I think Mitch Trubisky may surprise a few people, uh, at least early in the year, but you're playing with Deontay Johnson. You're playing with Chase Claypool as much as some people don't like him. Some people are still truthering for him. Najee Harris out of the backfield is going to garner attention. Pratt, Pat Fryermuth at tight end is going to get catches too. So we're not talking about guys that are going to win you leagues this year. And when that's the case, especially in redraft like we're talking about or best ball, at this point, I'm just not interested in either one because I've got to pay up 
and they're not going to win me any leagues. So, um, you know, I could understand Pickens in Dynasty. I'm I'm still unsure about Dubs. Um, I'm not going to take him over a lot of other guys we've talked about. You know, I'm I'd rather have Tolbert. I may even rather have David Bell in Cleveland once he's paired with Deshaun Watson. You know, there are a number of names I think we could pick out that I'm just I'd rather have. Yeah, I mean, like Pickens is going to need a lot of help to see a lot of targets in that offense and. Romeo, like Rogers does like to kind of lock in on a guy and I mean, maybe it could be Romeo, but I doubt it. Um, and then when I say that, I mean, a guy that's just going to get, you know, a few more targets a game than everybody else regularly, probably going to be Lazard. Um, but it's just, there's a, there's still a ways to go for these guys to be any sort of helpful for your team this season and still a decent way to go for them to actually break out in dynasty, you know, taking pickings in mid first round is ill advised. I'm not, I'm glad I pretty much did all my drafts before the preseason to avoid all this hype garbage. Um, and Dobbs is going, I mean, obviously way too early, like I've said, so not going to be drafting any of them anytime soon. So not going to be trading for them. If you didn't have them, you missed the boat. I would not go after these guys right now. Maybe wait for another game for them to not catch a touchdown, and then they're gonna. People are gonna say they are garbage. So wait for that. Wait for next week. Did Did Dobbs play with Jordan Love at Nevada? Is that correct? Is there a shower narrative there for the preseason we can talk about? Is I that, think they might have overlapped a year, overlapped, but right? It but wasn't. That, it wasn't a lot. All right, that's 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 noticeable. A shower narrative. That's all it is. He's yeah. not gonna be Aaron Rodgers number one. It's him and Jordan Love. Get it out of here. Anyways, so I will gladly talk about the next name on the list, getting uh, some preseason camp hype here. So Trey Lance, of course, starting to make some noise here in the Twitterverse, especially. I mean, you guys have heard it from me all year. Uh, Jimmy G was irrelevant come end of last season. Trey Lance, again, I, I just I don't see the difference between Jalen Hurts and Trey Lance, minus the fact that Jalen Hurts played last year and was a mediocre quarterback, but a great fantasy asset. And we're plugging Trey Lance, very similar player, into an offense that should be pretty good and has talent around him, and also the team that had the most yards after catch from their wide receivers and tight ends in the entire league. So it's not like Trey Lance has to be a world beater and an amazing quarterback to have fantasy value. Um, So we'll ask Chris next episode, but for you, mind changing on Trey Lance, are you happy to see that he's making plays preseason, connecting with Brandon Ayuk, so on and so forth? Or is this a dubs and pickings situation where you're not bought in? I mean, um, I, I do like him. I just, haven't wanted to take him haven't wanted to take him where he's going like i'm currently in a in a one quarterback uh dynasty startup right now trey lance went the fourth pick in the fifth round and obviously i did not take him and i literally just picked i'm glad you mentioned it i picked jalen hurts in the second pick of the eighth round i will take a three round difference on those two all day long like i you will not see me draft a quarterback in the top five rounds of a one quarterback draft, redraft dynasty, best ball, uh, a one team league. It doesn't matter. I'm not, it, that's just too high for me. Um, even in dynasty, I, I just can't do it. So that's kind of the difference. That's, that's why I haven't liked Lance. I, I like the prospect and I think he's a really good player. Um, but I just, he's too rich for me right now and kind of always has been. 
except for last year in rookie drafts. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll agree with that. Like, if you're going to tell me that I can get either one of those quarterbacks three rounds later, like, I, I don't care which one it is. I'm going to take the guy that's later. Yeah, right. And even, and even Dak Prescott went three picks after I took Jalen Hurts. So it was really between Dak or Hurts. I felt either way I went, I would have got a steal, but I've got Devontae Smith on my team. So I went for uh, for Jalen Hurts there. So, yeah, just, yeah. just a little too rich. But yeah. I, I do like what I'm seeing out of the preseason. Yeah, decent. and I think the, the reason I'm so high on Lance is I've been able to get him cheaper in best ball drafts than Jalen Hurts, than Kyler yeah, Murray, exactly. than, than these these top-notch running backs that have the mobility and the, the ability to put up points on the ground, right? Substantial yeah. points on the ground. And when I can get the latest quarterback, which I think is Trey Lance as far as legitimate rushing ability, mm-hmm. I think that's why – you've probably heard me be higher on him than most is because he's the latest guy. Like if Lamar Jackson was going at QB nine or 10, you wouldn't hear the end of Lamar Jackson and him right. being my favorite player this year. Right. Or right. in the, in the scenario you just gave, yeah, if I can get Jalen hurts three rounds later than Trey Lance, I'll do that all day long. That's, all that's day. all about ADP. So, but yeah. I am, am exactly. fired up about Trey Lance looking good. So, um, Taylor, today, doing something a little bit different. Chris couldn't join us today, so we'll get into redraft on our next episode. But we are going to talk about some auction drafting. Uh, This was a listener request as well, but also pertinent for us because our home league that we have is an auction draft. Um, And I've really enjoyed it. It was actually my first experience with some auction drafts. If you haven't done any, I would definitely encourage it. It's just a totally different way to draft. Yeah. It's just a totally different way to look at it, assign values, and you have control of everything. You don't have to wait on a pick. You don't have to hope guys drop to you. If you have a guy you just want and are high on, go pay for him and pay more. Build your own team. Yeah. Pay more than your opponents. So we're going to talk through all that today. Um, Anything you want to talk through about our league or auction drafts, and then we'll kind of get into uh, basically a top 10 list of, you know, best strategies and tips for going through auction drafts. Let's do it. All right. So we'll start off first kind of talking about different strategies, right? So this is kind of going to be tip number one is go in with a game plan. Decide what you want to do. We know you're going to have to adjust and adapt depending on how the draft is going, but have in mind kind of what your goal is. So Taylor, run through kind of what these three are. Obviously, I'll add my two cents on each one and then you don't have to give away if one of them is your preferred because we still have not done our league draft yet, which we'll talk oh, yeah. about later. I think everyone knows mine, though. That's <laughs> we'll still on set. Yeah, we'll do that show, but kind of talk through these three different strategies, the benefits, the pros and cons to each, um, and, and what you think about them. Yeah, so first things first, more so than a redraft or dynasty, like you really need to think about your strategy uh, in an auction draft. Everything is so fast. Um, I mean, it's the same thing if you're doing a – a fast redraft league or anything like that where the picks are 30 seconds a minute. Um, But with auction, you've got to pay attention to the time. You've got to pay attention to the prices and you've got to evaluate. Do I want this player for this price or can I see this player on my draft board or do I do this or do I do that? There's just a lot more going on. So you, you really have to do at least a a good day or two research ahead of time to, to get a solid foundation of what you want to do uh, and then go into your draft confident and and not straight too far from your from your uh, strategy although we like you said strategies will change uh, anyway there's pretty much a, a consensus top three strategy uh, first one being like a sit and wait so 
you just go through your nomination of players. You keep nominating players. You let these big name players go. Uh, high prices, you know, your Jonathan Taylor's of the world, Christian McCaffrey. These guys that are on a $200 budget, let's say, are going for maybe $60 or o- over a quarter of your budget, which is going to knock some guys out of bidding right away. So once these kind of middle tier guys come up, uh, you can just hammer them, right? You you get a lot of middle tier guys. Really what this is is going to give you a deep roster. Um, and that's kind of the big benefit. You're going to have uh, good flex spots. You're going to have good bench guys. Um, the kind of downside of that is obviously you don't get a stud. Um, you're going to have to rely on everybody on your team being consistent week in, week out for you to win games. It's definitely a little more it might almost be a little more volatile than having a couple studs on your team um, and then a bunch of guys in lower tiers, but it's up to you. Like, do you want to have a deeper roster or do you want to have a few studs, spend your money early? Uh, Those are the two differences there. Speaking of studs, next one is kind of a studs and then kind of duds. Like I said, do you want to draft those tailors early? You're spending $60 out of 200. Maybe you get a wide receiver too. Like, let's say you're getting Jamar Chase, you're spending a hundred and you know a hundred dollars out of two hundred on two players, so there's half your team right there. Then you kind of have to wait back, sit a little bit, grab a couple guys for ten, five, fifteen, twenty dollars uh, to fill out the rest of your lineup. And then obviously you're going to have to end with a lot of one dollar bids at the very end of the draft. A couple guys you might not like, um, maybe even waiver wire guys week one that you end up having on your team because you that's all you can afford. So. That uh, there's a pretty clear pro and con to that list. You've got a couple studs, yet you've got a bunch of players on the back end of your roster that aren't so reliable. Um, next one that people do is a mix of both. Um, let's say you want to grab a guy like Jonathan Taylor early. You love Jonathan Taylor. You want a top tier running back. You you love running backs. Your team's got to be got to have a stud. So you get one of those guys early. Then you wait a little bit. Let's say you don't take like a Jamar Chase or a tier one guy, another tier one guy. Maybe you pick up a, a mid-round quarterback to help you out, which some people don't do. They either get the big ones or the smaller ones. Uh, and then you get some, some mid-round wide receivers that you can add to your team. So you're still spending a good bit of money early, um, but it's not all of it. So a little bit mix of both. Um, that one is just a little more dangerous. Like Let's say you get a, a guy you like. Maybe you get overbid on him. You say, oh, I want Jonathan Taylor. Next thing you know, instead of spending 60, you're spending 70. Then you have to adjust and really pick and choose the players that you're buying uh, on the middle tier of your team. And you're you're going to get outbid because you spent a lot on a first guy. There's just a lot of things that can change uh, between that hybrid strategy. So those are kind of the three main ones. Um, I definitely have a favorite. Uh, like you said, I probably won't say it on here just in case they're listening. But like I said, I think they uh, I think they know what I like to do. But I might surprise some people this year. I'll just say that. Yeah, I think... Uh... So the biggest thing will, and I, it, it should go without saying, but I do want to say it, you know, know your league settings as far as, you know, is it single QB? Is it super flex? Is it standard half PPR, full point PPR? And yeah. like Taylor said, kind of start thinking through what this approach is going to be. Um, you know, the the sit and wait is, you know, if, if you start looking at, you know, some of the rankings that you have or tiers that you have drawn up and you know that there are players that, guys people in your league aren't going to pay up for then yeah hang back wait around save your money in this auction draft and really go after your guys that you're going to believe in um studs and duds you know like taylor said pay up for the guys that 
you love that are top end talent and then hang back during those middle rounds, which I'll tell you is really tough to do. Um, and, you know, Taylor said this, this stuff happens so quickly. And so you really want to have a plan in place, a system in place of what you want to do and be able to adjust and know how you value players, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And then kind of that hybrid approach where, yeah, maybe you take a shot on one or two big names early that you pay up for. You're able to compete in those middle rounds, but try not to overpay for guys because you can wait on value and then still find some of those gems later in the draft uh, guys that are being slept on. So, you know, definitely different approaches depending on, you know, if you know your league mates, if you've been in a league with them before, like Taylor said, kind of knowing how they like to draft players that they like, which obviously us doing this on air probably does not help us. So we're not going to talk about which one is our favorite, but definitely go in with a plan and then be ready to adjust if you really try to pay up for some of those studs, but you're just not willing to give up what someone else is. You know, you may want to start dropping back into a sit and wait mode and try to see if you can find value if some of your league mates are, are undervaluing quality players. Yeah, last thing on the strategy thing and how it changes it happens to every single person in every auction draft, whether everybody else thinks so or just you think so, you will overbid on one player. Like you will draft a player and go, oh no, I think I paid too much on him. And then you're going to have to adjust right then and there. So it will happen. Don't, don't get, uh, you know, don't get out of sorts once it happens because it will. And then just, you know, stay cool, stay, stay calm and then readjust and then go from there. So it'll happen. Yeah, I remember and the first time I was in our league's auction draft, it, it it just happened so quickly. And I was not used to the speed that bids were going in. And again, I didn't go in with the best plan of having, you know, my rankings ready to go and who was coming off the board. And it it, it can get overwhelming. So uh, yes. but number two here is nominate players you don't want. So I'm going to let Taylor kind of expand on that. And then I'm going to kind of throw in my thoughts on it as well. Yeah, this is really that if you've done at least one auction draft, I mean, everybody knows this by now. If you Google auction draft tips, this is the number one that comes up. Uh, every player should know this. So it's really not even a surprise or we're not even giving any secrets away. You own, until the end of the draft, you really only want to nominate players that you don't want. Like, let's say I'm, oh, CMC is going to get injured. He's not going to be the same. I hate CMC this year. And let's say you're nominating first. CMC, right there. First nomination off the board. Let someone else have them. You don't worry about it. Somebody else spends $50 right off the bat on a player you knew you were out on. So you you want to compile a list of players you are in on to keep an eye on them if somebody else nominates them. But most importantly, fill your nomination queue with players you are 100% out on. You nominate them. Don't worry about it. Keep an eye if they're going to be a steal because they're in any draft, redraft, dynasty, whatever, there is a point where a player does become a steal and, and it's almost a must draft, but really nominate players you do not want on your team. You've got to come up with a list. Yeah, I will I, I will about 75% agree with that. Um, and I, I do like to change it up in these auction drafts where, you know, I, I'll pick and choose my spots if it's a guy that I actually want and put him out there. But like you said, you do want to pick out, say, what's going to cost my opponents the most money that I know right. they're going to on, bid on some of these top tier guys. 
and let me put them out there so that they spend their money so that that way when one of my guys that I want comes up that I have the money and I didn't spend it early on some other top tier guy that I'm halfway in on. Um, So so I will, I will agree with it in in that regard. And later in the draft, I usually start to play with that in the middle rounds, depending on what budget situations look like, which we'll get to here in just a minute as well. Yeah. Just don't give a, I mean, everybody really knows it, but don't give away that. Oh, I don't like, don't nominate a guy and go, Oh, I don't want him. You know, don't say in chat or if you're in a in-person league, don't say, Oh, I hate this guy. You guys can have him. You know, once a player gets nominated, one, one owner thinks there's 11 other owners that, okay, everybody wants this guy. Like if a, if another owner knows that somebody's out, it just narrows down the field. Like, okay, he's not going to bid me up because he's out. So I feel safe here. Things like that. So, like I said, everybody pretty much knows it, but don't don't be obvious with it, right? Throw a bid in there, maybe early on, throw a throw a dollar bid or, or what have you. So just just don't be obvious. So third coming up is know your league's history. Taylor, you wanna take that and kind of expand on the thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, like us, we're we've been in there's five of us in our ten person league that have been drafting since the very first season and we know each other's tendencies um who's gonna like who's gonna take a quarter who's gonna spend up on a quarterback or or a player that someone likes like we're friends um i know guys that grams like i know guys that chris likes it's obviously something that we can use to each other's advantage so pay attention to guys things that your friends might say or look back at last year's draft and see who overpaid on what positions, who underpaid on what positions, things like that. So just just know what might happen into your draft. Like one guy's bidding up a player, if you're looking to bid him up, which we're going to talk about here soon, know that it, it would be a safe bid up if that's his guy. Is he a Cowboys fan? Does he like Dak Prescott or Ezekiel Elliott? Bid him up, things like that. Just Just know a few of the intricacies of your friends in your league if you can do so. Yeah, it's really important to pick up on these tendencies in, uh, in in drafts everywhere. And it's something that I think if you listen to our live best ball draft, right, we were also looking at roster construction. So right. something to pay attention to of do you have somebody in your league that really likes to go heavy on running back or wide receiver and then lets the other one go a little bit later and tries to find value. So that's really interesting to watch and know what your opponents do and then watch it play out as you draft looking at roster rosters and how they're being built so number four yeah. as far sorry you want to jump back in there on three no 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 i was just going to say that leads right into number four go ahead yeah. so number four always pay attention to your opponent's budgets uh this is something that i think taylor you and i at the end of last year i think had the most and we were battling over yeah. Devonte, and i just didn't yeah. have, i didn't have enough um which was that, which was, that was my guy last year yeah which is really funny because i was hoping that other people would just let him slide but oh, yeah i not. kept seeing him drop and drop yeah. and drop i think i spent like 27 dollars on him when he was yeah. projected for like eight i was oh, like I, bid I just, bid bid i just kept pushing it and then eventually everybody in our league yeah. like just not yeah, we, were, so that we were just getting yelled at <laughs> um but it is really important of exactly what taylor did was you know he saw that he had more money left at that point in time and he really wanted a guy that just kept dropping in the draft and he used it to his advantage where there was nobody that could compete with him at that point in the draft because everyone else had spent up for other players and taylor was able to take advantage of that and it's also something as you look at roster construction or you know what people like if you're in the top two three four on 
in your budget and you know what players other guys are going to pay up for, it goes right back to number two where we talk about nominate players you don't want and make your opponents, your league mates, uh, pay up for those guys so that you can move higher up in the budget list. And again, depending on your approach, if you're studs and duds, that may not work for you if you pay up early. But for the other two approaches where you're paying up for one or two guys or if you're sitting and waiting, try to force people's hands so that you can have an advantage once your guys come up for nomination. Yeah. Like I, I might, if George Pickens keeps us up, I might nominate him in the first round. So preseason hype guys, camp hype guys, things like that, pay attention to stuff like that. Put those players up with an inflated price. You know, maybe you can get them later in the season for trade when they don't live up, but you still think that they're a good player. Things like that. There, there's just so much to pay attention to when it comes to, to actually bidding and nominating more than people think. Yeah, I agree there. And, and that comes in with number five here, which is to bid up your opponents, but do it wisely. And Taylor, I will be honest with you. I am, I am really waiting for our draft because I think you guys can tell how passionate I get about some of these players and the prospect of them having a good season. Yeah. And I am ready for people in our league to try to bid me up on guys. And there are a couple of guys that I will let that happen on and I will still pay for them. But there are others where I am okay dropping out. And if you are bidding me up, you may end up with a player that you do not believe in because you were trying to force me to pay more. And now they have ended up on your roster and you have spent, you know, whatever the case may be, 16, 20, $40 on a guy that you really didn't want and didn't believe in, but you knew that I liked him. Just, I, I pulled out before you were ready for that. Um, no pun intended there. Um, but I I think it's going to be really interesting this year with, you know, this podcast being out there. I know some of our league mates listen to it and obviously you, me, Chris, we have discussions about these players. You have to be really careful when you're bidding people up and knowing when you need to drop out of that race before you get stuck with someone that you may not actually want. Yeah, I mean, it can happen with with any player, too. It doesn't matter what tier they're in. Like last year, I think uh, Austin Eckler was, this is the first one that comes to my mind. Um, Eckler was projected like mid-30s, I think. He ended up having a good season, but he got bid up to $48 last year looking at our draft recap. So that's just, you know, it's all projections and people will still pay what they want, but that's basically $10 more than projected. So he's still overpaid and that hurts him at another position. So even big name players, you can bid up, you can, you can end up bidding someone up $5 on him and that's $5 they can't put towards another position. So be smart. All these things kind of tie together. Know who your league mates want. If a guy likes them, throw a bid or two in there. Every dollar counts when it comes to auction draft. It, It just, the more money you can get others to spend, that will help you out. Yeah, agree, agreed there. It's it's definitely a useful tool if you can do it correctly, but you do have to be careful with it. Yep. Uh, Taylor, go ahead and take number six here. Yeah, so a lot of times most people will bid a, uh, start a nomination player. It's just a dollar. Um, this is kind of where if you are nominating a player you like, this can come into play. Uh, nominate a player, but put a bigger starting bid on them. Um, I want to say this happened last year. Uh, before Saquon Barkley's bad season, he was projected one of those running backs that was in the 60s. Somebody threw a starting bid on him at like 35, and it instantly knocked a few people out just right off the bat. He ended up going for mid-50s. So that's, you know, quote-unquote, save money. Again, he ended up having a bad season, 
But that's things like that to where let's say he has a good season. You save ten dollars on a guy like Saquon Barkley, and he returns his value. That's those are just small things that can help you win a bid and then help you win a you know win a season. So big bids right off the bat to maybe a player's projected value or a few dollars left less is always not a bad thing. So starting a bit higher can sometimes lead into your advantage. It can scare a few people away. Yeah. And I, I think that's really interesting because I think if you get, you know, let's say you just throw somebody out there, started at a dollar. Cause that's the easy thing to do in the settings, right? Yeah. You get a lot of people that start bidding and I think something that I talk about in, you know, negotiations all the time, Taylor, you know what I do for a living, all that fun stuff. But, you know, I talk about inertia of like, we just need to get people moving in our direction in whatever type of sales you're in. I want to get negotiations moving in the right direction. And it's interesting in this scenario, if you get, if you have seven people bidding on a player, it's hard for all seven or six of those people to drop out where, like you mentioned, if you start that bid higher and only three people are interested, it's a little bit easier to not get bid up as high when right off the bat, you're only competing against two or three people as opposed to five, six, seven other people. So I definitely think starting it higher, like you said, you can cut people out right from the jump and really know who's interested when you put a player just under, you know, what you would be willing to pay for it and knowing that you gave yourself some wiggle room there. Yeah, I mean, if somebody puts a player up for $1, I'll bid five times purely out of annoyance to get the bid higher to where it should be. So, and I'm sure there's, if you're in a 10-person league, eight people are going to press bid on a $1 start price. So just sometimes it can be beneficial. Usually it's with guys that are in like the 20 to 10 projected range that you should do that on. Um, Obviously, if you put $30 bid on a guy like McCaffrey, he's going to go up anyway, and it's not going to deter anybody. But if a guy is projected, say, $25 and you bid 20, you know, maybe you'll get away with actually getting him for 25. So yeah, uh, some of that, sometimes it can be helpful. Sometimes it's just, you know, not useful, but just pay attention to that as well. Put a, put a big bid out there and a lot of times you'll get your guy. Yeah. And I do want to throw in, I, there was a player last year. I can't remember who it was and I didn't say anything about it at the time, but somebody started them at $1 and it started to go like two, three. And I was getting ready to do the same thing, right? Like bid up one more dollar. And I think somebody punched in like to put them at 20 or something. And all of a sudden I was already in the action of clicking. And uh, yeah, I remember that. I can't like, remember the player, but get it to like 21. And I was like, yeah, no, no, no. I, I didn't want that guy at that value. So right. well, like we talked about earlier, we're like, it moves quickly and you got to be careful with some of this stuff. It just totally caught me off guard. And again, I didn't say anything about it because I didn't want to give away that. I, I think it might've been swift. No, no, no. I set Swift at the price and everybody thought I was crazy and then okay. it turned out to be a good move. I'm looking at your, oh, was it Alan Robinson? He was $31. Oh, I can't yeah, it remember been, who it, it was. It might have been Robinson where it was like at 12 or something. And I was like, yeah, yeah. sure. And then somebody put it to like 30 and all of a sudden I hit 31 and was so mad because everybody else just dropped out. Yeah, but yep, that'll happen. That uh, So that'll I, happen. I am much more likely to put players closer to market value now because I got I got stuck on one where I thought I was going to get a deal. Um, yeah. So diving down to number seven, this is one that I really like, and that is don't wait until you know the last guys in a tier are there, especially with some of your t- studs. So you know we talk about tiers and kind of putting these guys into rankings, not just let's say QB one, QB two, running back one, running back two, but really within those groupings, breaking them down into groups of players and 
based on what approach you're taking here with the sit and wait, the studs and duds, or kind of a hybrid approach of those two, you've got to know those times when you want to pay up. So if I have, you know, in my rankings that Austin Eckler, Dalvin Cook, Najee Harris, Derrick Henry are all kind of in that second tier of running backs for me behind Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey, I don't want to start bidding once Eckler, Cook, and Harris are gone and just have to get Derrick Henry, right? I, I don't want to do that. I want to give myself the best shot at each of these guys at value. So don't sit and wait for these guys in certain tiers until the last one is left, because then you are going to have to pay up on that person, especially if someone else really wants them or is stuck in the same scenario. Yeah, I mean, some sometimes you're going to have to you're going to have to bid up, you know, it, especially if it's like, let's say, like end of RB, RB2 or the uh, second RB tier. Like, if you don't have a running back yet, you're going to be that guy that's going to have to overpay for a guy that's at the end of his tier because everybody else now knows this is the last running back in this tier. He's going to go for probably, usually it's over the projected price, so you will have to pay up. So, yeah, be weary of that. That's a big one. Um, be, be careful of not waiting and getting having to be stuck with a player that you're going to have to overbid on. Yeah, it's a it, it a tough thing to manage and and that kind of goes back to, you know, know your league settings, know your plan, go in with your tiers and your rankings ready to go so that you can kind of follow along and make sure you're getting your guys where you want them and at good value. Uh, number eight, I will go ahead and say I messed up last year. So don't leave your draft with money. Pay attention to what yeah. you have left, players Me that too. are players that are on the board. You know, I think last year I did kind of go with a a hybrid approach, probably closer towards the sit and wait sort of model, um, and just didn't factor in. Uh, the value that guys were going to go at. And it kind of helped me in the middle rounds where I could buy the guys that I wanted, no big deal. And I could get them because everybody else had paid up for studs. But then at the end of the draft, it may not sound like much out of a $200 budget, but I walked away with, you know, five, six, seven dollars I believe. But that's money that maybe I was only five, six, seven dollars away from getting an Austin Eckler, right? Or getting one of those top end running backs and I dropped out. And now all of a sudden it's, sitting at the back end with just going to waste once the draft was over. Mm-hmm. So definitely pay attention to the draft board. I know it's it's much easier in regular straight drafts, snake drafts, whatever it is, to know where you are on the board and where players are, but you've really got to have these rankings, watch the board, watch what your opponents are doing so that you don't get left with money going to waste at the end. Yeah, I mean, even even including our keeper, uh, I spent only $163 last year out of my uh, $200 budget. So I too did pretty poor and leaving money on the table. I mean, that's a whole other stud player. Justin Jefferson went for uh, $24. So I could have added Justin Jefferson to my team. I mean, I did, I made the, ended up making the playoffs, but it could have been a whole lot better. Um, it, it's, it is probably the hardest thing to manage within an auction draft is to not leave money on the table. But once you get into the middle of the draft, you are really going to have to think, okay, I need to spend this money. I can't get caught spending $12 for a kicker because that's just how much money I've got left. So that's how much I'm going to pay for a kicker, right? So be careful. Um, spend your money. You know, Spend it wisely, but don't, don't leave. It's like don't leave a game with timeouts because you can't use them. There's nothing, unless you've got a rule, we can't take this money into free agency or something like that, right? So spend your money. 
Yeah, and that kind of leads into number nine, which is is don't feel rushed and don't get over aggressive. I think in our first year in this draft, again, it was my first auction draft, really didn't know what I was doing, jumped right in and, you know, I, I overpaid for guys. You know, I just kind of got caught up in the fact that you're in a draft room with 12 people, you're bidding. I mean, it it's not just sitting and waiting for your pick and seeing who's on the board. That There's a lot of action going on. You feel like there's a lot of money with a $200 budget or whatever the case may be. Right. It will go quickly if you go heavy handed on it, especially for guys that maybe aren't top tier or if there are other guys in a tier that you may like more. You don't mm-hmm. need to bid up or get caught up in some of the bidding. Yeah, it's there's times where you can like there was a guy a few years ago. I think it was right before you came in, into the league, Graham. He spent I think it was like one hundred and thirty dollars out of two hundred on on uh, like Barkley and, and McCaffrey or something like that. And he just had to sit there for the rest of the draft. He came in last place. I don't think he, I think he won one game. So that strategy doesn't always being overly aggressive on those, like, especially like you said, if it's one of your first times, you're like, you've seen these players go and go and go like, Oh my God, I love Eckler. I love McCaffrey. I love Justin Jefferson. I got to get him. I got to get him. I got to get him. You can get caught up real quick and bidding early. Your money's gone. And then you have a team full of, uh, scrubs that is not going to help you and and you're just stuck with a few studs and you're you're it's going to be really hard to win games so just don't get aggressive yeah and then you know talked about not leaving with money not getting too aggressive uh rule number 10 do not pay more than a dollar for your defense or your kicker if that applies in your league um just not not advice. I mean, my my personal opinion is like those are guys that that can be streamed, right? Pretty much any right. single time, depending on matchup, every single week can be streamed. And every now and again, like a couple of years ago, you'll get you know the Patriots defense who scores more touchdowns than you know three or four offenses in the league. But the chance that yeah. you are hitting on that one out of the thirty two teams in the league and it's worth paying up for, probably not. I mean, I think the most I would pay for either of those would be $2. And even then, I don't want to yeah. do that. It's just I'm doing that with the very last money when I've already filled out all of my positions uh, in my starting lineup and my bench. Yeah, I mean, if you pay 3 $4 for a kicker or a defense, just because like, oh, I love Harrison Butker, I'm going to pay $4 for him. Those few dollars at the end of your draft can come into play big time. Last year in our, in our league, Leonard Fournette ended up going for $1. Um, just a bunch of these guys that – James Conner, $1 dominant season. Um, just people like that to where if you spend a lot of money on a kicker or something and then your max bid ends up being a dollar or $2, you're going to miss out on some of those gems that go for 2 or $3 or $4 at the tail end of your drafts. And other people are going to get steals while you spent $8 on the Ravens defense because they're supposed to be good every year. So it's just not smart. Um, it, it play the wave wire, like you said. Just stream kickers and defenses if you've got them in your league. I, for one, hate them. I always advocate every year to get them out, but it is what it is. Yeah, so that, you kind of mentioned it, plays into bonus number 11. Taylor, talk about the waiver wire. Yeah, just a little bonus tip. Um, There are going to be plenty of guys that don't get drafted in an auction draft. Um, People forget about them. They're not good at the time. Um, And this leads hand-to-hand you might be stuck with a bunch of players you don't like um, week one, week two, you've everybody should be playing the waiver wire heaviest possible week one, week two, week three. And that goes for any, you know, redraft as well. But 
uh, especially in an auction league where people are basically handpicking their teams. There's going to be plenty of of good guys that are left uh, on the waiver wire. So, uh, you know, yeah, like you said, a little bonus tip, play that waiver wire, be informed, know who wasn't drafted, keep an eye on them, see how things play out in the first week or two, uh, be that first guy there to uh, attack on the waivers. Yeah, and that's a... I think in any league, you know, you look back last year and look at, I, I, I highly doubt anybody was drafting, you know, Elijah Mitchell at certain points. You know, uh, right. Huntley took over for Lamar Jackson, had some good games. Let's be honest, yep. Mike White was the QB1 for a week. I'm not telling people to go out and bid high on Mike White if he's ever a starter, but there right. are these opportunities for you if you are paying attention, monitoring who's injured, monitoring depth charts. There's going to be value. I mean, look at the Ravens' backfield last year as well, um, and even two years ago, right? People were drafting Justin Jefferson in drafts. He had a terrible one, two weeks. He was dropped to waiver wires, and then you pick him up, and he has a historic rookie season, and he's off to the races, especially mm-hmm. if you're in a league similar to where we do get to have keepers we'll talk about that on a different show because our league's a little a little complicated very fun but complicated yeah. uh auction draft uh so there's always going to be value there so like taylor said mm-hmm. kind of see who's being drafted and honestly if you don't have to draft a guy and you can take a shot on somebody and see how week one or two plays out and know that they're going to be there for you that that's another option for you as well yeah yeah, don't be scared to let people go and then be that's where you need to be aggressive on the waivers. All the money on most of the good fab or waiver priorities that are spent in a season happen in the first three weeks. That's where you need to be aggressive. So don't be afraid to drop a guy after two weeks of being bad. Um, maybe not a guy with a name caliber like Justin Jefferson, like you mentioned, people were dropping him. Hold on to guys like that. But if you're drafting like MVS, you know, and he's one of your bench guys. He doesn't do anything for two, three weeks. It's probably okay to drop him. And, you know, he's going to have a good game every now and then, but he's not a player that could be a stud, right? So identify players like that, droppable players, things like that. Get them out of there. Don't be afraid to cut bait and and be aggressive on the waivers. Yeah, I think I've I've kind of had a rule for myself of having basically one position that was almost like a streaming position for right. situations that come up with injuries or uh, th- things like that. I mean, you just never know what will arise uh, during the season. I mean, we see it every year with big time running backs going down. And if you don't have a handcuff, I mean, think about when Derrick Henry went down, right? There were three different guys that were in the news that could potentially be getting workload and making sure that you've got a spot or someone that you feel comfortable dropping to go make a move for one of those players. Yeah. It's basically like, it's basically like having an open bench spot, you know, keep, keep it open, keep it loose. Don't get too attached. You, it's never a good thing to say, oh, my team's fine. I don't need to play the waivers this week. There's usually always a better guy that you can pick up on waivers for your team. So just pay attention, especially early. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Taylor, anything else you want to leave the people with? We didn't really talk about players here, so no hot takes on this episode. We'll uh, we'll wait for the redraft rankings. We're getting close, so we're going to start working with Chris on redraft rankings, just like we did with Dynasty and Best Ball. You know, we'll kind of yep. break down the differences between, I know a lot of people think Best Ball and redraft, but definitely some, some different strategies there. Yeah, I mean, just to... Uh keep up the theme with a little bit of our league just to give you guys a little taste um i mean i'm looking at your team graham you got any any keepers you're already thinking of uh of a taken i mean you got t higgins nick chubb we mentioned and your I've, guy chase edmonds i've got a i got a anybody few, on your mind yet yeah i've got a few of I my see cam makers down there oh i've got a few of my guys sitting there so you know 
Edmonds is, and again, that, and for people out there, we take uh, values of these players for our keepers and are able to keep them. And so that's something that I'm factoring in is like, what's the cost going to be to keep uh, Chase Edmonds? Probably pretty yeah, low. Their projected value. Yeah. T Higgins. Before the draft. Yeah. Probably not low. Cam Akers, we'll see. Uh, if we do end up doing quarterback keepers, uh, Trevor Lawrence is down there. Uh, I do have Travis Etienne as well. So that's another one I could look at depending on cost. So definitely have have some some options there that, that I'm excited for. How about your team? I got a few. Um, I've got your boy DeAndre Swift, uh, CD Lamb, who I like this year. I'm I'm thinking of. I think it's two keepers, right? Is what we did last year. Yeah, yeah, two. I've got AJ Brown, um, Kareem Hunt could be an option. Who I actually kept last year, so it's the it's the value cost, right? Like Kareem Hunt, I've got AJ Dillon. Those guys are going to be cheap. Do I want to keep them for their projected value? Possibly save some money if I think they're going to be bid up and keep them for my team, so I don't have to bid on them. Um, that's just something you got. I got the Patriots defense. I might keep them or the Packers defense. Those guys are going to be solid. As long as that'd be a, as long as they're free. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll take them for free. And then, uh, uh yeah. commissioner, if you're listening, uh, we can look at ESPN Superflex. Um, we can just yeah use the right values. Keep quarterbacks, but we'll we'll use see. Right if, we'll see if he's listening. Hey, hey, do you want do you want to keep uh you want to keep your boy DeAndre Swift? Do you want to make a trade right now? No, no, not with the other options. I have it running back. Oh gosh. What, what are you okay. what are you what are you wanting? All right, let's let's see. What are you what are you wanting for DeAndre Swift? And we don't know the values yet either, but go ahead. Yeah, I know. Okay. I'm, I'm thinking because uh, because this is our rule too. If we trade a keeper, we have to keep that player. So would you even want to keep DeAndre Swift if he was on your team? Oh boy. Uh, once we let's look at cost. But next show, we need to go ahead and get okay. cost determined for our players. All right. I mean, like I've got a couple running backs here that I could keep for half the price of Swift. Um, yeah. Which gives me give me a little flexibility, especially if we're yep. keeping QBs. We'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say Swift for ETN right now. Oh boy. Let me see what dollar amounts are. I've got. Uh, it. Here we go. I, I can't. Here we go. And if I'm gonna pay. 30 to 40 for Swift and ETN can be 18. I mean, 30 is great for Swift. I'd pay 30. I, I probably would too. But if it goes higher, yeah. ETN's like Who would? 18, then I'm not interested because I'll, I'll keep ETN at that value. Let's see if I can, let's see if I can find it. Here we go. Swift will be, all right. I mean, hey, not bad. 43. Okay. I think this is single QB. This is single QB. All right. So not this is what this looks like. Well, change, so, change the settings. What are we looking at here? Let me find, let me find ETN. Where is he? Be far enough down. I'm blind. Sense. There he is. He's 12. Oh, that's, a, that's $12 for a guy that I've got at what? RB15? Jeez, I mean, he's not going to be that good. Let's be honest. Wait, I'm going to have a freaking. I'll just take him off your hands. I'm, you know, I'm for free. Be, I'm going to be you just know, running I'll all just, over you guys just, for. I heard you don't want him for wide you know, receivers. I, I will run all over you guys for wide receivers them. and quarterbacks if I can keep ETN at twelve dollars. All right, as it looks right now, Dobbins will be twenty-three, mm-hmm. roughly. Give me Acres. Would you do- give me Acres and Edmonds here? The, the the people listening to this right now are going to be like, "What are they talking about?" Yeah, but hey, trades on air are always the best. That's a great team. Swift, Swift for Dobbins? No, I don't have Dobbins. He do. He's in your IR. Where at? Oh yeah, he's way down. There. Right. Sorry, I didn't see him. Yeah, I mean you're loaded. 
Yeah, it, as the playoffs were going on, I was just picking up all the injured players to throw on IR to have his options for keepers. Yeah. Just remember that, people, if you got a keeper league. Gosh. All right. No trade done. Right. I tried. No trade yet. Well, I need to look at values a little bit more uh, for some of these other guys I'd consider. All right. Signing off now, right? We got a redraft coming up next. Chris is going to be back. We're going to dive into those. Uh, And then again, after we get through the redraft, like we did with Dynasty and Best Ball, we will uh, dive into our home league, the auction draft, all the strategy, the keepers, the values, some of the stuff we just halfway talk through uh, and see who's going to come out on top in that league, which we will keep posted throughout the season. A little bit of of the lore of the league. Let people know what's going on, where we started, things like that. It's, uh, It's really cool. So look forward to it. Always look forward to it. High stakes league buying is five grand. So fellas, get your money ready. I thought it was 10. I already sent the Venmo. Did we, uh, did we up it? I gotta, I gotta send my, I think so. I gotta resend my Venmo. (laughs) It's going to be good. All right, Taylor, it's been real. I enjoy it more than when his audio is in here, but we'll have you back soon. We'll we'll go redraft. All right. See you guys. We're out. I didn't want to trade me, huh? Where are you finding? In uh, ESPN, ESPN auction cheat sheet. And it is here. I'll post it in chat. All right, I got it. Auction cheat sheet. And it is here. I'll post it in chat. All right, I got it.